Pastor Chris's podcast. So yesterday was Youth Sunday at our church, a special service where the youth of our church lead the entire service. And as part of that service, we had some guest speakers. And now I want to share with you the second guest speaker from Youth Sunday, which was Amy Harris. Amy is our youth pastor, and she's a wonderful speaker, and she loves these kids, and I hope you enjoy her message to you today. Um, Before I get into my message, I just want to stop, and I want to brag on all of these youth members. Um, It takes a lot of courage to come up and to even sit in the choir in front of all of you guys. It takes a lot of courage for these youth members to come up to um, to say the prayer, to to just know that that you're that you're sitting there for them to lead you in worship, and I'm just so proud of them. They've done a wonderful job this morning, and the fact that they are willing to get up here and to lead a worship service that contains their parents and their mentors and their peers, that's just awesome. It's awesome, and I'm very very proud of them. So thank you guys for doing this. And, and, and then I, I did, I also want to point out, this was, this was a little funny that I had, at nine o'clock, I realized um, Abigail and I were showing the gap of the generations because Abigail got up here with her phone and she read her message off of her phone. And then old lady Amy has got her 15 point font in the notebook so that I can keep up with my spot. So we've got something for everyone, something for everyone. And the scripture that I would like to share this morning is 1 Corinthians 1, 25 through 29. It reads, this foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Have you ever felt unworthy or unqualified or unequipped or unable? Have you ever felt like a nobody? I want to take a quick second to put out a disclaimer. And before I get into the meat of my message this morning, I want everyone to understand that when I use the term nobody that I'll be using throughout the the message, it's not meant to be a derogatory term. As I was reading through my message yesterday, each time something just kept saying, you don't want them to focus on that word nobody. And I kept thinking somebody's going to be so worried about 
make, um, referring to us as nobodies that they're going to meet me at the back and say, Jesus loves you. We're not nobodies. We are all a somebody. And it's all going to make sense. So focus on the message <laughs> and not on the fact that I'm saying we're, we're nobody. Um, I've been a youth minister for most of my life. When I wrote that sentence last night, I wrote this yesterday, just so you know. When I wrote that sentence, it hit hard. Most of my life, not most of my adult life, most of my life. I started working with youth when I was still a youth myself at the age of 19. And let me tell you, when you're a 19, 20-year-old trying to teach kids who are only a couple of years younger than you, what it means to be a Christian, and then trying to reach the standards and expectations of the parents whose children you're trying to teach, you learn what it means to feel unqualified, unequipped, unable, and like a first-rate nobody. God called me to this ministry. And when God calls you, it's not easy to just walk away. I spent many years being made to feel like I wasn't enough. And God spent many years reminding me that he is the only one qualified to make that determination. And he wasn't finished using me yet. After several years of attending youth conferences as a youth leader and gaining some confidence in what I was doing, I used to dream about gradu uh, graduating from sitting in the crowd to becoming one of the speakers in the big rooms full of kids. But it wasn't a dream I ever chased. I got married, had two amazing kiddos, and the dream of traveling and speaking never really surfaced anymore. I wonder how different my life would be had I decided to diligently pursue the dream and successfully made it happen. I often wonder how many young people and adults would God have placed in my path to hear his word come through my voice, entangled in the crazy stories of my life. How many young students would stand for the altar call and make the decision to follow Christ and walk out the doors to the youth leaders waiting to pray with them and for them and love on them for the decision they had made in that big spirit-filled room. I sometimes wonder where God would have sent me. Would I have gotten to experience new places that I would not have otherwise traveled? I've always considered those trips blessings from God to the people willing to sacrifice their time to spread the gospel. You know what else I often think about? The relationships with possibly hundreds of teenagers that would never have developed had I been speaking to crowds of thousands instead of rooms of tens, sometimes less during this pandemic. The thing I love most about being a youth minister is getting to know my youth members. I love forming relationships with these young men and women that will hopefully last a lifetime. Last year, I attended the funeral of a teacher who also ministered to every person who crossed his path. And I walked away from his funeral thinking to myself, that's my goal. I want to live a life 
that will continue to guide young people to salvation through Jesus Christ, even when I'm living in my mansion in heaven. I still think it would be super cool to speak at a big youth conference, but I also know that God has even bigger plans for me than that. Getting to really know the kids who you'll be spending eternity with is what keeps me loving what I do. The Bible is filled with examples of God calling the nobodies to spread the good news. God used Moses, who was an escaped fugitive, had a speech impediment, and who made all kinds of excuses as to why he was not the one God needed to use to deliver the nation of Israel out of Egypt. He used David to kill Goliath in spite of his young age and disparaging comments made by his older brothers. He used Peter in a major role in proclaiming the gospel. Yet Peter had a history of sticking his foot in his mouth and being rash and impulsive and would ultimately wind up denying he knew Jesus three times. Saul was trying to destroy Christianity and stoning Christians before he, he was made new in Christ as Paul. The woman at the well, who was an outcast from society, who went into town after her encounter with Jesus at the well to tell everyone that she had met the Messiah. And, this may be my favorite example of the day, not only did he use Balaam, who was a wicked, money-hungry prophet, but he also used his donkey. Have you ever heard the saying, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. The Bible is full of examples of God using people who are less than qualified in the eyes of the world. If you look hard enough in the Bible, you'll likely find somebody who is very similar to you and your situation who God used as his hands, feet, and voice. Our reaction to the calling plays a key role in how painless the process is. When God calls us, it doesn't necessarily mean that we just go with the flow and see how this plays out. I think sometimes that's where we go wrong. That's where we start to question, why me? And are you sure I'm the best person for this task? Failure is tough, no matter who you are and what the goal. So, what does it mean that God qualifies those who he has called? Let's take a closer look at Moses. Moses, although polite and reverent, argued with God about his calling. He asked God, what if the Israelites didn't believe him or listen to him? And what if they argued that he didn't really hear from the Lord he made excuses for why it shouldn't be him. He expressed that he isn't an eloquent speaker. And then he just straight up asked God to please send someone else. God knew that Moses was who was needed to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. So God responded to Moses' concerns by giving him a staff to perform miracles and signs that he was in fact being led by God. He reminded Moses that he created Moses and was well aware of his capabilities. And then he sent Aaron, Moses' older brother, to be a helper to Moses. So he gives us what we need to get the job done. He knows our limitations, 
But we serve a God whose will can't be bound by limitations. And then he sends help. Think of those people in your life who couldn't, you couldn't get through your day without. God is notorious for sending help to those in need. However, when we dig a little deeper, we can focus on the fact that Moses is having a conversation with God. He is, in, he is expressing his fears and his concerns. And God is listening and answering. Like Moses, we all allow our doubts and fears to get in our head and to guide us rather than allowing the Word of God to get us where we need to be. We must start with reverent prayer and then be still and wait for a response. God is patient. I am not. But He still makes me wait until the time is right because He provides what and who I need when I need them. And if you fill your heart and mind with scripture and prayer, there won't be any room left over for doubt and fear. Let's talk about Jonah. Jonah is a book that I like to read when I need to be reminded that I personally need to step it down a notch. If it's been a while since you've read the book of Jonah, or if you've never read it, I would encourage you to take a few minutes and read through its four short chapters. God sent Jonah on a mission, and Jonah didn't take time to discuss the details or the whys or why nots. He just headed in the opposite direction and suffered some pretty extreme consequences for his behavior. He even suggested more than once that he would rather be dead than to follow God's instructions. I enjoy rereading the ending where Jonah is sitting in the blistering heat, and God sends a plant to provide shade. And then God sends a worm to eat the plant. Jonah is a reminder of all of us difficult humans that God has to deal with every single day. And I like to consider the worm a reminder that God has a sense of humor because he could just zap us all. <laughs> then there's Peter. Three times Peter denied knowing Jesus after spending three years witnessing his miracles, and proclaiming the gospel. Those who receive a divine commission from the Lord do not leave their human flaws behind. We take them with us. People of faith must constantly choose to obey the Lord as opposed to the voice of the crowd around us. The Bible, through its numerous examples, reminds us that even those who have important roles in God's unfolding plan of salvation need to adopt an attitude of humility as we strive to remain true to God's calling. We need to understand that it isn't about us. It's all about God. We need to remember that in the grand scheme of things, we are nobodies. Remember a few minutes ago, when I was talking about youth conferences and the altar calls and the youth leaders meeting the kids out in the hallway to pray over them. For the first two years that I went to conferences as a youth leader, I didn't walk out in that hallway to pray with the kids. It isn't necessarily your youth members that you're praying with. And I didn't feel qualified to sit down with someone I didn't know and pray over their newly found salvation. 
As the third year's conference started getting closer, I was already feeling anxiety from not participating. I felt God telling me that I needed to be in that hallway, but I didn't feel like I was the right person to talk to these strangers and get them through the questions they may have concerning their salvation. What if I said or did something that made them question their decision? I started praying about this particular thing a month before the trip. And what I learned through my time in prayer and studying scripture was one, God directed me to the exact scripture that I needed to share with these teens. And two, I wasn't then, nor will I ever be, powerful enough to strip someone of their salvation. Can I just tell you that learning that I'm not, that I'm not capable of undoing what God has done was one of the most reassuring things ever in my walk in youth ministry. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in the Northwest parking lot. I spent a lot of time there. And I was scrolling through Facebook while I was waiting to pick Jackson up from basketball practice. In the past, you may have heard me talk about my cousin's daughter, Jana, who plays softball for the University of Oklahoma. I came across a post that she was tagged in that contained a video of Jana and one of her teammates, Lindsay, being interviewed about their faith. They talked about how they came to know Jesus, but also about how their team is as committed to growing one another in their faith as they are to winning national championships in softball. The young lady named Lindsay mentioned that since her time at the University of Oklahoma, she has witnessed 10 or 11 baptisms of teammates in the swimming pool in their coach's backyard. They talked about people on the outside looking at them and calling them a team full of Jesus freaks. And they were like, yes, yes, we are. That video, together with a couple of other events in my life lately, led me to do a lesson on doing all that you do for the glory of God. No matter where your focus lies, playing an instrument, playing a sport, performing arts, working behind the scenes, martial arts, academics, working your nine to five or dust to dawn job, whatever you do, you can do it to glorify God. He blessed you with the abilities and talents to be successful. So should he not receive the praise and thanksgiving out loud and for all to see? Jana went on to talk about how their team prays for a theme each year. And last year their theme was battle, B-A-T-L. And it stood for boast about the Lord. And they held up four fingers when something good happened on the field because they understood that every blessing that doesn't turn into praise has the potential to turn into pride. So the number four reminded them that they were playing for God and for each other. I want to repeat that part. Every blessing, every blessing that does not turn into praise to God our Father has the potential to turn into pride in our human selves. We should give God praise for everything that happens in our lives. <clears throat> they also adopted the song, Nobody, 
by Casting Crowns as their theme song for the year. I pulled up the song while I was sitting in the car that evening, and I instantly knew that that song would be my inspiration for my message this morning. When you live for God and genuinely want everyone you meet to know His love and His goodness, it's no longer about you. When you no longer care what anyone thinks about you because you know what God knows about you, you become a nobody in a big picture and all of the focus is cast onto the one who created you in His image. When your priority is to spread the gospel to everyone you meet, you find a freedom that allows you to serve God no matter what the cost. And you've reached a new level of peace and appreciation in your faith that can't be described. The weight of what the world thinks about you is lifted because none of that matters anymore. What is your focus? Are you more concerned about what others think of you than what God knows about you? Are you more focused on your successes than the salvation of those around you? Do you portray the love and humility of Christ in all that you do? When people see you, do they see a reflection of your creator? Have you become a nobody who wants to tell everybody about somebody who saved your soul? It only seemed appropriate that the closing song this morning be Nobody by Casting Crowns. Um, I do want to point out that you probably haven't heard, the, you may not have heard the song. I hope that you have, and I hope that you're able to sing along. It's a little difficult to sing with if you've not ever sung it before, but be sure to pay attention to the words because they're, they're wonderful words. Um, but before we start the song, I want to offer this invitation. Have you asked Jesus into your heart? Have you accepted his awesome gift of salvation? If you have not, but you are ready to take that leap this morning, our altar is open and we have plenty of nobodies here who will be willing to meet you and make sure that you know all about somebody who conquered death so that you would have everlasting life. <laughs> 